When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I think Sonogo's just laid out one of the MK Dons defenders and I think he's heading for an early bath. I didn't see that, I've got to say, I was yeah, looking at the free kick. incident, he's gone down, the referee's seen it, and this is erupting very, very unpleasantly here. The referee's blowing his whistle. Well, the MK Dons want to uh, stall this as, as much as possible, quite obviously. Referee's assistants uh, both right, onto um, the pitch. This is not what Cholton needs. It's Kay and, and Sonogo, and uh, the referee's going to the pocket, and he's gone yeah, so Sonogo's gone. And, uh, you know, that ill-discipline, that ill-discipline from Cholton that's been there all season has resulted in yet another red card. So now goes off. Running out of time. Welcome to Charlton Live. It's the big match preview. I'm Louis Mendes, your host for this evening. Joining me in the studio here on the Thursday, the 10th of March, is uh, Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Mm, all right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> feeling better after hearing Yaya Sonego's stupidity at the end of uh, it? At least I heard it that time. I didn't see it on the night. So that's a, a, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think it's any better, yeah. though. On, uh, on tonight's show, we are going to look back at the uh, the nil-nil draw with MK Dons here at the Valley on Tuesday. We're going to hear from Jose Riga. Here he's summing up of the game. Um, I interviewed him after the game, and well... He gave some interesting answers. We're gonna we're gonna discuss the uh, the sad leaving from the valley of Jose Jean Champs. Just just as we were getting to know and love him, uh, he's left to go and manage some Belgian second division uh, side. Then we're gonna look ahead to the Milton, the uh, the game with Middlesbrough on Sunday. Of course, focusing on the protests of which there are plentiful uh, planned for this uh, for this weekend. But first things first, let's uh, have a look back at the game. We, we just heard um, uh, the 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 only highlight I could get from the game, really, we didn't have too many chances, did we? No, it just about summed the whole game up for me. It was, um, it seemed like a game with a team that were happy to play for a draw, that had settled in mid-table, had nothing to play for. The players kind of seemed to be strolling round. There was very, very little urgency. I think we had, what, one shot on target in the whole game? Yeah. Like I say, if we'd have been sitting in 12th or 11th with three or four games left of the season, you'd understand that performance. Yeah, we, saw, but, I say, we saw similar performances at the end of last season yeah. when, we were, when we were in that in that position. Exactly. I think, yeah, we saw it away at Birmingham, I remember in particular, where we were just like that, really, just a bit flat. But we'd obviously, the, the club through Twitter and stuff have been trying to promote the game throughout the throughout the day and the fans coming down knew how big it was and players just didn't turn up and... See, for me, seemed to epitomise the ownership and, and the sort of state the club's in at the moment. There were just yeah. too many players that weren't prepared to take responsibility. Really, I mean, you look at you look at the way M- the MK Dons started that game. I mean, they we, we we were the team that had to win that game. We're seven yeah. points behind them. We had to claw it back to four to give ourselves any realistic chance of climbing out of it. MK Dons really, I think they 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 knew that a point was good enough for them. But if you look at the way they started, I think Nicky Maynard had the third shot. They had, a, they had a few efforts in the opening 10 minutes. They were the team that started with, with all the motivation, it seems. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and we just sort of 
I don't know if we invited it on them or we just were, were still half asleep or what it was, but they started a lot quicker than us. And like you say, if they'd have nicked that early goal, that obviously would have knocked the confidence completely. But, you know, we managed to weather that and, and just didn't really ever grow back into the game when we had our chance. And we saw plenty of possession, but sort of amongst the back four. But as we've seen so many times this season, it just wouldn't go forward and we weren't getting it to the to the striker. I know Mackinock himself had a tough game, but you know pretty he, was, pretty, he was pretty isolated. He didn't have many people feeding him the ball in the first place. So yeah, yeah, just a, a bad a bad night all round, really. I've got my notes from the, from the game on Tuesday. I always have to I have to write down what what's going on so I can relay it. And uh, for for Chol- Cholton chances, I've got one written down in that first half, and that was Marco Motta's shot that came from about twenty five yards out. And that just sums it up. That first half we were just so insipid, and you know you look at a game where we have to have to win. There was just nothing. Yeah, and when you look at games where we have started quick, you take Sheffield Wednesday here in November, I think it was, as an example. We started quick there and we got an early goal and they just never were going to get back into that game and we just bossed the game and we ran it. Um, and that's the sort of performance we needed. I know it's a tough game. I know the players are going to be nervy, but there's no excuse for having no urgency in a game as big as that. And just chasing balls down and running and of course we did see it from two or three players and I'm sure people can guess what sort of two or three players they were but the rest of those players need to take a lot a long hard look at themselves because it just wasn't good enough for for players that are playing for championship survival for that club yeah I mean we're gonna we're gonna come on to talking about Jose himself a, a fair bit in a minute but you're, you're right to, to have a look at the players as well because like I say I mean the, the, the players that you'd say did okay. Cousins, perhaps Harriet was, was the best lookman, came on and made a big difference. But there, there are other ones, like you say, who, just a lack of urgency. I mean, I think I, I'll always say that Morgan Fox put in a shift and I think he'd done okay. I thought he was all right, yeah. Motta and Suk Young, maybe, but apart from maybe Motta, apart from that, nah, it's what just, can you say? And like I said, I know Mackinock himself was a bit isolated, but Poye in the middle didn't really offer anything. We didn't, Joey, he's, you know, he's not had a particularly good season anyway. He was playing in his favoured position again behind the striker, but just there was no creativity from him at all and he was on the ball quite a lot throughout the game but just just like I say it was just so such a lack of urgency it just seemed like it seemed like the players had resigned the fact that we were going down and they already knew it and they knew that there was nothing to play for and they're just you know fans had turned up hoping that they were going to see 11 players fighting for this club and fighting for survival because there are some here who still believed we could do it and the players just didn't do that at all. Yeah, it was so frustrating. And it's so confusing after that performance at Brentford. I mean, um, I was saying, I was saying on Tuesday, I know, the, the the two teams we've beaten this side of of you know, November, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rotherham and Brentford, they there were teams who were on bad runs at the time. But this, at the same time, it was a positive performance against Brentford. We we ground out a result. Uh, Callum scored two good goals, and then to, to go from that to this is just so confusing. I can't understand how, how that is possible. Yeah, Brentford, no matter what sort of form they're in, it's still a hard place to go. And we went a goal up and got clawed back, and we've seen ourselves crumble in that position before. But you know, it wasn't our greatest ever performance. But for a team down in the bottom three and low on confidence, we managed to drag it back at, back ourselves, and we created some other chances. And obviously, Mackinock could have scored again at the end. And yeah, it was a, a solid enough performance. And then you come into this Tuesday night, which all the players know, all the crowd know, this is the game, this is the one. If we win it, we're four points behind and there's a bit of belief. And there was just nothing there. It was so flat. It was, uh, yeah, I never or very rarely walked away from the Valley as angry as I was that night. Yeah. So it just wasn't the club that I support on the pitch at all. Yeah. There was no no one representing what I feel Charlton should, should be. You and that, that was what was really disappointing. Yeah. You mentioned Johan earlier on. The set-pace delivery... 
Oh. Over on, on Tuesday. And what, what was going on? Uh, not once did he see first did man. we beat the first man every time. Yeah, yeah. And it got to the point where I was hoping they'd change it and they didn't. And I kept seeing him go over and I thought, right, this time he's going to get it right. And then the one he beat the first man went all the way over everyone and all the way out the back. So uh, that's bizarre because that's not something or shouldn't be something that comes down to confidence, really. Mm. That's something he can just practice on the training ground and should just come naturally to him. And we know what a gifted set-piece taker he is. We've seen it with his free kicks last year, but... You know, that's if you're low on confidence, a set piece like that, Jacko talks about it a lot. It's a real chance to get yourself back into the game and and we couldn't do it because the corner itself was so poor. Now, in the first half, Callum Harrett, industrious without really creating too much. In the second half, he, he came to life. There was a, a sort of a spell around just before the hour mark where Callum was, was getting a couple of runs down the wing, a couple of step-overs where he got into the box. There was one that ended up with uh, Jordan Cousins curling just wide from outside the area. Everyone's thinking, right, now we're going. Now let's let's get Yaya Sonogo on. They were calling for Yaya Sonogo from from the covered end. He brought him on, but he took off Callum. Callum was our most lively player. No matter what your standard tactics are, whether you think that um, Sonogo and McKeenock are going to work well together, surely you can't take off the only player who looks like he was going to actually put in a decent cross at some point or even get down the wing to be in a position to put in a cross. No, it was one of the, the most bizarre substitutions I've ever seen. I, the crowd for a long time had been calling for Sonogo and, and I agree I thought we were probably going to have to because we were having to go for the win you have to sacrifice someone like Poye and put two up front and play four four two and keep Harriet out on that wing because like you say he just started to make a few impressions on the MK Don's back, uh, back line and he just took him off and he looked confused the crowd were obviously furious and it just didn't help to the atmosphere either because understandably everyone was annoyed at the change and you know, you want the crowd and the players to all be working together and how can you when you see your best player being taken off and replaced with, what, 20 minutes to go or 25 minutes to go? And Yeah, you, if you're going to go light for light, you bring Mackinock off because, like I say, he hadn't had a good game or you bring one of the defensive midfielders off and sacrifice that defensive risk. They, knew, they yeah. knew we had to go for it. But, yeah, just such an odd decision. Another odd decision for me and, you know, there's there's so many people trying to work out what, what the possible reasoning could be behind this because, you know, Adam Lookman, he's, he's our starlet. He, he's our current spark. Um, you know, get, got given a four-year contract recently. He's clearly fit because he sat on the bench uh, the last few games, um, and and they waited until the eighty second minute to bring him on. I was uh, like I was saying on Twitter, like I, I where I sit at the game, I have to remain professional. Even I was getting ready to shout, just bring him on, yeah, because it was ridiculous. And and we saw the difference he made when he came on. And Jose straight away admits, oh, I should have brought him on ten minutes earlier. Well, make that decision then, because we're running out of time to make wrong decisions. We're yeah. running out of time to make decisions ten minutes too late. I think if we're being honest, we've now run out of time, haven't we? And yeah. I think uh, I don't know if, even know if Lookman started a game has he since he signed that new contract and I wondered whether it was just a bit of a protection thing or whether he did have a slight injury but like you say he's been on the bench every game and I understand if he wants to introduce him from the bench as an impact and I understand if you are trying to kind of protect him a little bit but you in a game like this you can't afford to do that you know he said about Sonogo not being able to start two games in in a week because he was unfit for Ajax. This is a guy who scored a hat-trick two games ago and was really influential at Brentford. Play him from the start and bring him off if you have to. But he's the one who might nick a goal in the early stages. And For me, we just set up all wrong. The, the changes were wrong. And as I say, Riga has to take the blame for that. But the players on the pitch at the same time have to take their fair share of responsibility too. And what was nice was that when Harriet was on the pitch, he did have an impact. And when Lookman did eventually come on, it was good to see what a difference he made as well. It was obviously unfortunate that it was too late. But mm. you know, you can't blame him for that. 
Um, like you say, he did, he did make such a huge impact. And then you know, that last eight minutes, I think two, two or three times he got down the wing, won corners, won a free kick, and notably won a, a free kick late on. And the momentum was with us. Everyone was piling forward. And as we're lining up to take this free kick, Anthony Kay barges into the back of Yaya Sonogo, as central defenders do. Not not um, saying that he, it's, it's okay to do that, but it's not the worst thing he does in the world. Yaya Sonogo, cowardly, shoves an elbow into his face, stupidly as well, because now, you know, he's, he's a player that the Charlton fans have started to warm to. You saw his celebrations at Brentford. People were dancing along with him. They were cheering him on. Yeah. Scored a hat-trick, although clearly it wasn't a hat-trick yeah. against Reddin. Um, and now he's just he's just taken all that goodwill. I mean, I said before the game on Tuesday to, to someone in here, I said, you know, the only good the only sort of good thing that's coming out of the thing at the moment is you see a player like Yaya Sonogo, who's actually been derided and, and mocked by fans of, of other clubs because he's at a big club not doing well. He's come here and at least he's getting some sort of love from a crowd. It must be nice for him. And then he goes and does something so stupid like that and banned for three games. It was it was ridiculous, wasn't it? I think he just got caught up in the moment. But uh, and I'm not trying to excuse it because it was completely unprofessional. But I think clearly when he looks back, he's going to regret it. And the rumours are that he's gone and apologised to the team as well. But I didn't actually see it the first time, and it looked like the defender had just thrown himself on the floor for no reason. And I, I was furious because I thought he was sort of play acting and just wasting more time. But since seeing it back and it was a clear elbow and it's just so stupid because defenders are going to do that to you that's what you know when they know that they're going to get the draw and they're trying to hang on for that they're going to do whatever they can to wind you up within the rules of the game and Sonogo just took it too far he saw red and yeah like you say he's someone he's obviously been at Palace which isn't a good start for him that's probably why he's so angry (laughs) yeah yeah maybe he's um he's been you know struggled at the other clubs he's been to and he's come here and warmed to the fans straight away and there seemed to be a good relationship there and he's just cost that for for himself and for the fans because there was no need to do that and and who knows we may it may have been cleared and you know Goodmanson's free kick might not have beaten the first man again but the chance was there and uh yeah and he's he's blown that relationship for me now just took all that momentum off of us and it'd be interesting to see what happens when when these three games are over because there'll only be what seven games left of the season then whether he'll be able to come back in and make that uh impact again which he hasn't made so the 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 final whistle goes we've we've blown another chance to to try and cut down that gap i mean we we won the game at brentford unfortunately mk dons won again but you know we, we had to win to make it for there is there was just that tiniest bit of momentum that you get from that win at Brentford and, and we completely failed to build on it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was one of those games where, you know, I didn't expect us to win at all. But um you come down here and you're excited and you're you're pumped up because you know what the game means to everyone and it was just so disappointing to go from that to such a flat performance and like I say, for me it it just epitomised where this club's gone wrong over the last few years. You compare it to, you know, Three years ago, in fact, three years the other day, we were in a FA Cup quarterfinal under you know a club legend with players that cared and were battling their heart out with a point to prove. And you go three years on, and we've got a load of players wandering round in a relegation battle and a massive six-point game, ten games from the end of the season, and they just didn't look fussed, and they were just sort of wandered off the pitch, and that was that. And you know, it's not fair on the fans, like I say, it's not fair on the club as a whole. And the players like Cousins, like Harriet and Lookman and, and like I say, Fox, who I thought has improved recently, the last two or three games, he's been much, much better. It's just not fair on those sort of players that, that clearly do care and do want to prove something. It's just, just so frustrating. But yeah. for me, that's it now. 
that we had to win that game and we haven't and I can't see us getting out of it now. Yeah. Jose um, said, not in the interview we're about to hear, but in the press conference he said that we're, uh, he admitted they're taking a risk with Jordan Cousins um, playing him through injury and you know that's that's the sort of guy that Jordan is. I mean, we, we've already mentioned it on this show a few a few weeks ago that you know Jordan, well, I think he fainted in, in the dressing room at half-time at, at Bristol yeah. City. He, he's putting his body on the line. I saw him limping past me when I was waiting in the tunnel for uh, for Jose to come out and speak. He's, he's, he's putting his body on the line and there are players here who care but not enough of them, not it seems. Enough not them. enough of them, or, or at least if they don't, even if they do care, they're not performing either way. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're, we've obviously been down in League One not that long ago, and we've got back up, and I don't know if all Charlton fans would agree with me, but for me, what I want to see is players out there who, who realise what it means to play for Charlton. You know, we're we're quite a unique club in, in the fact that we got obviously kicked out of the Valley, and we fought so hard to get back, and it's quite a quite a good story, really, and a, a good good story for the club and I just want players that go out there and understand what it means and and work hard and and give their all for the club and for me this current group of players is not enough players that are prepared to do that and if we've got players that do that and we go down because they're just not good enough then I can almost accept that but we've got a squad here that should be capable footballing wise of staying up and they've just not Maybe it's mismanagement. Maybe it's just their lack of effort. I don't know what it is, but it's just not worked. Yeah, look at the look at the team that got relegated from the Premier League when we were first there in ninety or two thousand ninety yeah. nine. We got relegated, um, and and look how they how that team is still received by the fans because they tried. They gave it they, a they go. Put their heart in, and, and obviously the club was in a, a much better state there. And you know, every time we talk about this, it always comes down to the same situ the same thing. It's the fact that we've got. Bizarre decisions being made by a cranky old man. Yeah, completely. Yeah, there's there's no other way around it, and you know, obviously, we we try and be as balanced as we can, but there's no other there's no other way of saying it. That's the reason we're where we are. You look at some of the players in terms of their individual ability. You know, Sonogo. Okay, he's been a bit dodgy, but he's at Arsenal. Okay, he's out on loan, but he's still an Arsenal player at the moment. You've got players like that, pound for pound. You're probably looking down that squad and you're thinking that some of those individuals are far better than players in the other sides, but. Look at Bolton when they came here, they were, all the trouble they were in, but their players worked together and they fought and they battled and they got a draw out of it. And we just haven't got enough performers in our team to do that this season. And like I say, it was only two or well, three years ago that we, we did have a full squad that were prepared to do that. And to see it slide over such a short space of time is just so upsetting. Right, let's uh, let's hear from Jose. I'll call up with him in the tunnel after the draw with uh, with Milton Keynes on on Tuesday. Jose, goalless draw with Milton Keynes today. If, uh, if your side missed a, a chance to try and catch up with a relegation rival there, yeah, of course we were all aware of the situation, the importance of the game, so we were just looking for a win. But uh, yeah, the reality at the end of the game, we cannot get the win, and um, yeah. Maybe some chances, but the opponent can can say the same. Um, we saw during the game that we had some difficulties to put some rhythm in the game. Maybe because, yeah, second game in three days. Also because the importance of the game. We saw a, a game close, let's say, and, and, and each team tried to master what they have to, to master and, and to score the only goal can, of course, be the result that all teams expect. So anyway, yeah, we we didn't get what we were looking for for different reasons. There was a distinct lack of urgency in that first half, and and no no chances created. Can you explain why you think your players seemed so off the pace in in, in such an important game? Oh, you can explain it by by the fact that we 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 play a second game in in the three days, which is not easy for some players because they they 
some of them are missing a time game competition so that's one thing the second one is maybe the importance of the game also but it's true that uh, it was not the same Charlton that we saw in Brentford um, but we are still the control of the game I mean we didn't concede a lot of opportunities we didn't also create a lot but you know in this kind of game one goal is enough so Keeping a clear change is also very important in this situation because not sure that if we concede we can we can still win this game. So both sides, I repeat, you see two teams more preoccupied by, by the result than by, by the game, which is quite normal in this kind of situation. When there is such a, a disappointing performance in a big game, who, who should take the responsibility for that? Is that something the squad should take or, is, or the head coach? You know, my responsibility is not about the result of today. It's a daily responsibility, of course. What I know that I'm not responsible of the situation before I came. That's another reason. But I want always to share the responsibility because when we get a win, it's not only the manager, it's all the team. And when we, we don't get what we have to, to, to get, it's also the responsibilities of everybody. That's it. Uh, you brought Yaya Sonego on, but at the same time you took Callum Harriet and off. Um, from, from where I was sitting, Callum was one of Charlton's more dangerous players and the crowd reacted badly to that. What was your reasoning behind taking Callum off? I, because it's very easy to, to explain. I think that Yaya and Simon did very well all the time they were associated. And I have also to think about the balance of the team, what, what people don't necessarily think about. And... Uh, Scoring a goal is nice, conceding a goal in our situation, because I saw the same that you, a team with no enough power, no enough uh, legs. So I have to master all this. I mean, be able to create chances, but also be able to keep a clean sheet. Adam Ola-Lukman is a, a fantastic prospect for Charlton. He's got a great goal-scoring record. He's signed a new contract. He's not getting in the team. And again, we, we, you hear Charlton fans screaming behind me, asking for him to come on early. He didn't bring him on until about 10 minutes left, and he proved to be a real change. He, he added a bit of spark to Charlton. Is there any reason for not bringing him on perhaps a bit earlier or not starting him? No, not starting him. There are many reasons. As a fact that uh, you know, he has signed a new contract, many attention, uh, some little thing will make that the player maybe were not completely fit at this moment to, 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 to start this kind of game. But sure, sure, when, when I saw as he was, uh, when he was coming into the pitch, certainly uh, I told to everybody maybe I have to do it uh, 10 minutes earlier. That's also my responsibility, but uh, for the, the team which started, you know, everybody was happy with the team in Bradford and the result we get. So I didn't see uh, many reasons to change, only the one with Yaya, just because Yaya cannot compete uh, two games in three days. For the rest, sure, maybe I had to bring earlier uh, Adi. But, you know, I'm just looking for... The same that the fans, the same that the player, the same that the responsible of the club, the win, the win. And so when I take this kind of decision, I think that it's always the best. And um, I repeat, responsible for some reason of, of the fact that we didn't get a win is not a problem for me. I take always the responsibility as manager. Yaya Sonego got himself a straight red card. Uh, that's going to be a free match ban now unless, unless you appeal it. Do you have any plans to appeal it? 
now he, he, he apologized about it, but it's, it's too late. It's not the, 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 the kind of behavior that we need at this moment. If, if, if there, there is some frustrations, we have to see it on the pitch in another way that this kind of reaction uh, as Harry did also. So it's part of the, the, the bad story of Charlton this year. Uh, many things happen and all things happen in a way that they cannot help us. So he knows, he knows. Uh, but but it's too late. And still a seven-point gap, ten games left. Obviously, a win today would have put, put you right back in the mix. Is it is it over now? Over now because <laughs> when 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 there are still hope, there is still life, you know. But it's clear that uh, it's more and more difficult. Sure, sure, because all the team are not waiting, and so. Um, but uh, again, again. We have to do our job until the end and, and see and see what we can get from, from the next game. Even we have to face with big opponents, it doesn't mean that we cannot get the points that we want because I'm, I'm still wanted the same, just the same. And the frustration is bigger and bigger, of course, because I'm just like the fans. I want the best for Charlton. The, the stark reality is that the performances will have to improve if there's any chance for Charlton to stay up. You know, uh, the other game is another game. I mean, we, we saw two, two different faces of Charlton in, in, in three days, so why not another one next week and, and getting what we want to get? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Think about a shot, no, he tees up Lookman into the penalty area, and there's number four! Adam Ola Lookman, back in the team, back on the pitch, and back on the score sheet. Live. Welcome back to Charlton Live. It's a big match preview here on uh, on your Thursday evening. We're going to look ahead to the game and the chaos with uh, with Borough on uh, on Sunday shortly. But first uh, things first today or yesterday, sorry, uh, the, the club bid uh, a sad farewell. Uh, uh, Jose Jean Champs, the uh, assistant head coach appointed last month on the uh, the second of February, has uh, departed these shores. He's gone back to the the Belgian second tier. 
to take over as the manager of RFC Sarang. Um, wow, what a man. Yeah, gutted. It's almost as bad as when Powell left, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's, yeah. tough, it's tough to take. Yeah. I've not actually seen him, I don't think ever. I mean, presumably he sat somewhere on the touchline, but I've never seen him. Mm. Don't know what he looks like. I didn't even realise he'd been here as long as he had. It's just another thing that just sums up the circus of the club at the moment. Yeah. But um, obviously, as it is a gut-wrenching uh, time for Charlton fans, and we here at Charlton Live, um, we like to put ourselves at the forefront of paying tribute to, to, to our legends, the legends of the club, the people yep. that make us come back to, to SE7 every, every couple of weeks and, and you make us go the length of the country to watch him. And so, you know, Jose, thanks for, for all the memories. And we, I've put this together for you today. Uh, Jose, Juan Champs, this is for you, mate. Right, finally, on a potential incoming, and this is another one, this is uh, rumoured currently, a potential new assistant manager for the Addicts, J- another Jose, can't get too many Jose's in one place, Jose Joenchamp. I'm going to guess this one, Joenachamp. Joenachamp, oh. Joenachamp. Good accent. <laughs> He's, uh, he's 49 years old. He was in charge of the standardly aged under 21s team, so he's worked in the network before. That's a tick. That's a big tick. <laughs> There's a photo of him someone put up on the Channel Life. He appears to have three nipples in the photo. Uh, would, you, would you make of it, Tom? Happy with that? No, don't really care. He's obviously he's someone Riga knows, and he so that's going to help him. But and it might take take Jason Yule out the firing line for a bit. It doesn't really bother me, really. You could get anyone in, to be honest. It ain't really going to change much. Jose, that was for you, buddy. Thanks for your time here. We've um, I tweeted out this afternoon that we were going to pay... Tribute to the man, and uh, I've asked you, uh, you guys, for your uh, for your memories. Uh, the fridge says he won't understand your tribute. Um, famously, uh, Jose didn't actually speak English, uh, according <laughs> to the news shopper. Um, uh, Tom Haas said, "Cholton legend, in my humble opinion." Robert Columb says uh, he's up there with greats such as Polis Pete and Anal Cock. Uh, uh, KB Little Sis says, "Sorry, I'm past this. It's so awful. I can't even bring myself to take the Mickey anymore." Uh, Fridge says, I'll save my memories for inclusion in his testimonial program. Uh, Martin Fittle says what I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of Charlton fans were thinking, and he says, who was he? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, we've got a couple more. Charlotte says, I think I maybe remember somewhere that he'd been appointed at some point, though I'm not overly sure. Sean says, I remember the day he joined like it was yesterday because it was yesterday. <laughs> Uh, and then Fridge goes on to say, is there any chance of a collection for a statue for the great man? Clive Richardson says, the man for whom, who are you, or now who were you, was invented. Did he speak any English? Uh, and then Carol says, blimey, wasn't there long enough to warm the seat, let alone create warm memories. I mean, that that it just shows you how, how quickly the Chomp fans took him to heart. Yeah, yeah, he obviously meant a lot to to a lot of people and... Yeah, massive influence around the club. He's going to be missed. Yeah. Obviously, we're struggling enough as it is, and when you lose someone, 
as big a personality as that, you're it's not going to make and things easier. He goes to the the graveyard for failed. Well, I don't know if you could describe him as failed because he never really had a chance to fail. But for former Cholton employees, that the Belgian second division. So future, when future managers, yeah. So, so when Lommel play Sarang, it's going to be the uh, the Jose number two reject derby. Carol Fry versus Jose, uh, Jose Jonachamps. So I guess it, yeah, that he can look forward to a spell in charge of us in a couple of years. <laughs> but, um, yeah, maybe we could all head over there and watch that instead. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, Can you imagine the, the tactics? The <laughs> <laughs> Can you they're going to run out of washing baskets for that game. <laughs> right, we're going to be back in a few seconds to talk about the protests. So am I still waiting for this world to stop hating? Can't find a good reason. Can't find hope to believe in. Great home run. Can he get across into the middle? He can. There's Cousins at the far post. Yeah! yeah! That's good. Charlton Live. Welcome back to Charlton Live. It's the big match preview. We're looking ahead to the game with uh, Middlesbrough in a few seconds' time. But um, on this Sunday, uh, announced today, actually, Cardiff have, have announced uh, a, a step up once again in their um, their protest ideas, and they're going for a um, uh, well. The, fir- the first thing they're, they're, they're talking about is a, a walkout in the 74th minute. We've seen I think Aston, <coughs> Aston Villa and Liverpool have both done walkouts recently. Yeah, um, it, it can be a huge statement. Can it? 74 minutes chosen because that's the amount of goals we've conceded so far uh, oh, this season. You know. <laughs> Uh, imagine that that might get, keep getting pushed back and back as the game continues. That's yeah. why I end up walking out in the 90-12th minute or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a, a big step up. Yeah, huge. Yeah, like you say, we've seen Premier League clubs do it, you know, for different reasons as well. But yeah, it's certainly something that's going to be noticed. Um, I remember listening to to a radio show, phone-in show after the Liverpool one and, and people in the ground said it was just an, a noticeable difference and sort of very moving when you see that many people decide that they'd rather leave than than stay and watch it. And yeah, I mean, if it catches on and a, and a big percentage of the crowd do it, it's going to be a very powerful thing to see. And obviously the cameras are down and, you know, the the national media, they're aware of the issues going on at the club anyway. You know, it's been covered well. So if they see a mass walkout like that, it's going to show how united the fans are in their, you know, their determination to, to sort the club out, I guess. Perhaps interestingly as well, the... Um uh, they're, they're doing a, a funeral march um, with a complete with a um, a coffin. Should be a, it's, again, it's something that Leeds did recently. But it's um, my understanding is the idea was actually thought of before um, okay. before Leeds did it. But it, when the announcement was made that the game for the the uh, the Middlesbrough game was going to be moved back for Sky, I think they decided to postpone until right. so you could get the most. Um, uh, sort of reaction in the press, but and another one, and, and to symbolise that the death of the club as, as as they see it. Yeah, I have to say, I saw that on the Leeds game at the weekend, and it was very striking because obviously, you know, with things like walkouts or or protests or chanting, that's something else. But obviously, a funeral, you know, when we're being serious about it, is obviously a very significant event and a very emotional event. So to see to see fans feel that way about their club and associate something as as serious as a funeral with their club just shows just how far the club's fallen and yeah if they do go ahead and do that that's again going to certainly catch the attention of the national media and and be a powerful statement really yeah. uh, card released this statement this afternoon on the uh, Chapman Life forum and on twitter and all the usual places uh, it says uh, fans from the coalition against Roland du Chatelet will carry a coffin to the valley 45 minutes before kickoff to symbolize what the club's owner and chief executive uh, Katrine Mere have done to the addicts they are inviting supporters 
to line the route to pay their respects. The mock funeral procession will kick off what card intends to be an afternoon of protests with the addicts due to take on Middlesbrough in front of the Sky Sports cameras at 3.30pm. A card spokesman said, This is not just about the team's prospects, although they do look very grim. It is a measure of the damage being done to Charlton by Duchatelet and Mary, which is unlikely to uh, to end with relegation. And in fact, they're, they're saying that the damage is unlikely to end. Obviously, the season's going to end. <laughs> yeah, relegation. season's done. Yeah. Uh, they are destroying decades of work to build up our club in the name of a soulless experiment conducted by remote control from Belgium. This is not the Charlton Athletic that has been a vital part of so many people's lives for decades. Football and the media are laughing at Duchatelet and Mary, but the joke's on us. We will not allow them to continue to run our club into the ground. We are asking the many disillusioned and angry fans who have been staying away to come back on Sunday and turn the afternoon into the biggest protest Charlton has ever seen, including when the old board took the club to Selhurst Park in 1985. In our view, the threat to Charlton's future this time is just as real and we will not let it carry on we're encouraging fans to walk out of the stadium on 74 minutes the number of goals conceded so far this season and reassemble in the west stand car park the intention then is to protest outside the ground while the match is still going on and if the club locks the main gates we plan to assemble on either side of them uh card continues to go on about they're, they're, they're saving some more uh protest ideas up their sleeve there's normally the uh, 12 p.m. flash protest on on a home game, and I understand that's going to continue. And then it just confirms the funeral procession will start in the Lib Club up Charlton uh, Lib Club, which is up Charlton Church Lane. So if you come out the station, you turn right and you go past Floyd Road and carry on up up the hill a bit. It's uh, that's where the Lib Club is. Uh, you can get drinks in there as well um, uh, if you want to avoid spending money inside the club. And it says best, uh, but to uh, avoid congestion, fans. Uh, fans are asked to line Floyd Road from the junction with Charlton Church Lane as far as the Valley Superstore uh, from 2.30. So basically on Floyd Road, don't go into Charlton Church Lane because they don't actually close the traffic. Um, so yeah, that's that's going to be the protest. There's a bit, another one on, on uh, which I noticed on Facebook and on Charlton Life. Um, not card related, this one. Uh, uh, but someone said that they, they're announcing that they're planning on doing a pitch invasion in the 60th minute, which is incredible, really. They said they've got 200 fans ready to invade the pitch. And I mean, that is a huge step. You imagine that? Yeah, obviously, we saw that last game of the season with Blackpool. And it's very different, that one, because, you know, we were sort of talking before the show, it takes a lot of bottle to be the first person to to actually stand up and walk onto a football pitch during a game. You know, it's not something that probably comes naturally to people, no matter how frustrated you are. Um, I mean, if it goes ahead, obviously, don't necessarily condone something that, that's illegal. Um, but if it does go ahead, it would be incredibly striking, especially in front of the cameras, to see that that happen. Whether that does, uh, you know, remains to be seen. But I think what you can see from all of this is that people are really stepping their game up. They know the national media are here. They're going to be watching. And again, it's just about getting that message across just how unhappy they are. You know, this isn't some flash in the pan protest because we've lost a few games. It goes far deeper than that. It goes, you know, right to the root of what the club stands for and and what the fans believe the club should be about, really. And I think uh, you've led me on quite nicely there to what I wanted to bring up because I think this is quite a a good point because obviously we, we hear big announcements from cards. We hear... We see things on the forums, big announcements from everyone, but there's individual fans who are being affected by this. And there's there's a guy called uh, who tweeted me this morning called James Madison, and um, I've never spoken to James in person. I know I know who he is because when you go to a lot of away games and there's other people who go to a lot of away games, you know him. So I know I know what he looks like. I recognise him from his picture. Uh, I remember seeing him on the pitch at Carlisle um, celebrating promotion. I've seen him in the lib hundreds of times. Uh, James tweeted me this morning, says I'm worried the only way to get RD out is for things to get 
get nasty like the Ace fans uh, haven't got Charlton fans haven't got that in them and nor should they if Charlton fans can't get him out he will destroy our club further till there is nothing left I hate this feeling of being trapped um, I, I sort of I sort of suggested well you obviously there, there are non-violent ways that people protest and he says I know you're right and I hope it works from, from what I understand Liège tried what we are doing and he only sold it once it got nasty uh, but he continues this whole situation is so horrible it's like week in week out watching a family member being harmed uh, need more done in Belgium possibly uh, I asked him if he's happy for us to read these tweets out on the show tonight he said I don't mind makes me uh, cry how KM said she wished to build a community hub but their actions are destroying my CFC community I used to have a group of good mates who used Charlton as a focus to get together now most just don't want to come anymore it was uh, if it was only football I think most of my friends would have stopped coming it's our friendship that made this last so long uh, RD's learned one thing from the age if you're going to destroy a club with a loud fan base make sure you've got channel for protection at least so <laughs> Uh, so like I say, I mean, James is a fan who I recognise, and I see him. I see him in the lib, and I see him on away games, and that, that's an individual story of how someone's Charlton spirit and Charlton's like supporting group. And you know, a lot of us have built our lives around this, this club. You know, I, I think every Saturday, apart from maybe one or two, for the last four years, I've been watching Charlton without fail. Before that, I was going to all the home games and five or six away from home. Yeah. In fact, that four years is wrong. It's probably more six actually. It's the first season in League One. I started doing every single game pretty much. Yeah. And you know, I I built up a good big group of mates who used to drink in the ROD. We used to all go. It used to be about forty of us who would go to away games. Now it's a handful, mere you know, five or six if we're lucky. Yeah. And and it's not based on the bad football because we built we built up that group of mates in League One in the middle season in League One where we're doing rubbish anyway. Yeah. It's about the spirit of the club just being taken away from all of us completely that sense of of just being powerless as well and starting to think but you're not you know, powerless that's yeah the thing to that's remember, the thing it? to remember mm. is that you're not you know the club is is built around its fan base and you don't have to necessarily subscribe to the main protest but you know there are going to be plenty of stories like his you know mine's completely different i grew up in cambridge i used to come down with my granddad to games and now I moved down to London and moved into Charlton purely because I've always wanted a season ticket at the club and now I've got one and I come every week and my granddad doesn't come so often because he can't can't travel so much. But, you know, to come down here every Saturday from down the road where I chose to move purely because of how much I, I love this club and, and that's what it means to me. And he's right, it does feel like like someone you love just being being hurt week in, week out and it's just not fair that... You know, we're we're not unfortunately not the only club in this position either. But it's just not fair that that people are allowed to get away with this again and again and again. And yeah, like uh, like you've just said there, you have to remember that you're not powerless. You know, you don't like I say, you don't have to go along with with the main protests if you don't feel that that's you know if you don't feel comfortable with it. But you know, Charlton fans can pull together and there's a voice there and mm. and people are prepared to to listen to you. And you know, Charlton fans are a good bunch on the whole, and you can speak to each other about it and. Yeah, you know, that's why I use social media so much. A lot of it because it it just gives you a chance to vent and and share your views about the club, yeah. really. And that's that's not going to die. You know, whatever he does to this club and wh- wherever this club's going over the next few years, that won't change. Hopefully, because there'll still be those fans there. Interesting to note, actually. Um, I noticed uh, I follow a guy called Will Watt on Twitter. He's the local. He's a Blackpool Gazette um, uh, reporter. Um, he's uh, so he's, he's like the Rich Cawley of Blackpool. Yeah, and um, he um, he tweeted uh, a story that during the week that the FA and the Football League have agreed to sit down with Blackpool fans and Blackpool owners to try and so and Blackpool fans have been protesting for three or four years now, and there, there is an end game. It might take a while, but there is an end game, and, and this sort of thing, you know, hopefully that for Blackpool, hopefully that'll progress for them. You know, you look at Aston Villa fans are upset at the moment. Leeds fans are doing a lot of 
obviously Leeds owner is quite hard to read and at one point he said he was actually going to sell the club to them but the, the, and, and now he's gone back on that but there's a lot of different clubs doing different things to try and change it and, and you know between the, the, those four clubs I've mentioned there we'll get there one day Yeah, and you know I'm, I'm certain the Chalwana are one of them that, that will get there yeah it's, um, it's obviously fantastic from a Blackpool point of view to hear that they're finally being heard by the people that perhaps can do something about it but at the same time it, it's just too late and you know, this sort of thing shouldn't be allowed to happen in the first place. You know, it's we've said it time and time again on this show regarding what the strategy is at Charlton, but this isn't just a business. You know, it's so much more than that to so many people. And it's just not fair to, to just treat them, you know, like customers. You know, they they devote more than just their money to, to the club. And, um, yeah, to see to see someone be allowed to come in and kind of take that away from people is, is just so hard to see and... Yeah, it is good for Blackpool and perhaps, you know, let's see how that goes. But, you know, if they can get out of it, then it shows those other clubs that us, Leeds, Villa, you know, that there is there is a, a turning point there and, and you can start to rebuild your, your club and, and bring it back to what it was. Yeah, right, we've looked ahead to the action off the field on Sunday. Uh, we'll be back in 30 seconds to look uh, to the action uh, on the field because we still have a football team to go and, to go and watch. Kind of. <laughs> Lovely ball into the part of Goodmanson. Can he take his man on? He does. He's trying to be pulled back, but he's in the area. The ball across the middle again, And there's a goal! Charlton have the lead again. Super work. Firstly from Henderson to roll it out to Cousins, who did a pinpoint pass into the part of Goodmanson. And instead of Goodmanson going on his own, a slide rule ball across the penalty area picked out Vedicale, who buried his chance, and Charlton a 2 1 up. Charlton Live. Welcome back, Charlton Live. It's a big match preview. We're going to look ahead now to Sunday's game here at the Valley, live on Sky Sports with uh, Middlesbrough. Idiots losing to Rotherham. What are they doing? <laughs> yeah, they, didn't they lose to MK Dons as well? And uh, they, Bristol they, they maybe? They ended up drawing with MK Dons and lost to Bristol yeah, yeah, recently. And then they're going to go and hammer us, aren't they? Yeah. So just yeah, beating us every way they can. Um, yeah, obviously a club really that needs to go up. They've spent a lot of money and they seem to be putting all, all their sort of all their efforts towards going up this year and you know they're still in in obviously with a shout of doing it but they're not not pulled away at the top by any stretch so um yeah coming into this game off a loss but you know I, we've struggled against Middlesbrough over the last few seasons personally I can't can't see us getting much from it can you Nah, not really. No. Well, you never know. Considering how rubbish they have been against relegation <laughs> rivals recently. But um yeah, they're they're four points off the top. Um like say a, a club that has spent a lot of money, a bit of a dar- sort of bit like Derby. Really. I mean, yeah. Derby and Middlesbrough are two teams that should have been relegated within the last uh, uh, promoted, promoted. Sorry, yeah, and then relegated from the Premier League in a couple yeah. of years later. But they should have been promoted from from this league a, a couple of times recently, and they, they're just sort of bottle jobs, really, a bit like Cardiff used to be. Yeah. Um. So that, that's quite interesting. Um. Their, their form, I think they say they've lost three and ten. So give, does it give you some hope? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was here Tuesday. No, it doesn't. I mean. There, there are times where, where maybe I would, but to be honest, I've just got to that stage now where I've just, I'm resigned to the fact that we're just not good enough and it's just not worth getting that hope up in the first place. I mean, I'll be coming down here, I'm sure on the day, and I'm walking down to the ground, I think, oh, I wonder if we'll get something, but nah, with a with a logical hat on, I mean, really, they should be getting three points here. One of the many brilliant things about this season is the fact that um, 
uh, Jordan Rhodes moved from Blackburn after we played them twice, two Middlesbrough, so we get to face him three times in one season. Yeah, yeah, that's obviously a treat because he scored. I, can't, I did the visually impaired commentary for the Blackburn game, and I had a stat. I think he scored ten in twelve or something against us. So, <laughs> so I remember, I remember yeah. when he was at Huddersfield, there was a very brief period where I thought he doesn't play well against us because I think he, in his first three or three games or so for Huddersfield, he'd only scored one from the spot, and I yeah. thought we had his number. But now every time he comes here. He just fills his fills his pockets with goals. Yeah, he's uh, yeah he likes playing against us, and obviously like, I can't believe you saying earlier we've conceded seventy four goals. I didn't realise it was quite as bad as yeah, that. Yeah, did so. I to be fair? Yeah, but that is, that, that yeah, is impressive. It could well be eighty four by the end of Saturday, uh, Sunday, <laughs> even. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Rhodes obviously he's not really you know played that much for Middlesbrough yet, but you know those goals will come. He's shown what he can do at this level and. They've got, if you look through their side, they're just littered with players. Like you say, they, they need to be going up, really. Um, and they've got players, you would think, good enough to, to do that. So, um, mm. yeah, it's going to be a really tough game. And obviously, we're missing Sonogo. Harriet, who knows if Riga will actually play him. Lookman, the same. So, yeah, going to be tough. For, yeah, from our from our point of view, we don't know what the situation is going to be with Cousins. Look, uh, like I say, Lookman, we don't know what's going to go on. Sonogo's going to be missing. Um Team-wise, there's not much wriggle room, really, is there? No, I mean, obviously, Diara... Harry Lennon might be back, I think. Diara went off, didn't he, against yeah. uh, Brentford, so I don't know if he'll be back. Jacko, I'd heard, would maybe back in training, but whether he'll be fit to start, I don't know. But you look at that, if you look at Cousins and Diara and Jackson out, that's obviously the midfield already struggling. Lutman, you know, like I say, whether Riga takes the plunge and plays him, I don't know, but Sonogo out, you're looking at either Reza or Mackinock, I guess, up front. Um, yeah, we're we're struggling for options. Johnson may have to come in at the back, and we've seen how much he. Yeah, exactly. I won't even bother carrying that on them. But <laughs> you look at the t- the two kind of bright brightish sparks recently have been Mota and uh, Suk Young, who I think have played on the whole, played quite well, and seem to be prepared to put a shift in for the club. So if they're both fit, you know, they give us a bit of options either side, but. That spine of the team is that's where we've struggled all season, really. I mean, obviously Henderson's been out recently the last couple of games. Yeah, interesting what's going on with Henderson. Obviously, um, dead leg apparently. Mm. Yeah, so we're told, but bizarre that he was just suddenly out and Pope's in. I thought, I mean, Pope hasn't actually been too bad the last yeah, two Pope, games. Pope's done well, actually. We should have mentioned that he's done, he's done well. He has done well to come in, but but again, you know, that's the start of the spine. The defence hasn't really been settled for months now. Like I say, if Cousins and Jackson and Diara are all out, that's the midfield kind of solidity gone and up front. You know, Tony Watt we've got rid of. Lookman, you know, is not in favour. Sonogo, who had become almost, you know, starting to become a bit of a a cult figure around the club has now got himself sent off. So that spine of the team's just just so weak at the moment, and and we like you say, there's no wriggle room. We've got to just play who's available. Yeah. Well, let's let's get your prediction then, Tom. We could don't get we could put ten points adrift before the game even starts on Sunday because everyone else will be playing on Saturday. Um, three nil. To, to <laughs> Middlesbrough. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm going to go similar. I'm going to go 3 0. I'll, I'll go 2 0 to Middlesbrough. Okay, generous. Yeah, because I think they'll probably rest Jordan Rhodes after about four minutes. So. And maybe the rest the whole team after seven minutes. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much all we have got time for here on the Big Match Preview. Tom, thanks for coming in. Cheers, Louis. Thank you. At the Valley, I've been your host, Louis Mendez. Let's uh, fill the boots on Sunday. Eh? Enjoy yourselves. Uh, we'll see you on Sunday evening. Chance of life. Chance of life.
Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian.